Today's Transmissions podcast is brought to you by 80stees.com. 80stees.com has an incredible selection of Transformers shirts and hoodies, including some amazing Transformers costume hoodies. Transform into Grimlock, Megatron, or even Optimus Prime with the 80stees.com costume hoodies. This episode of Transmissions is also brought to you with support from our listeners. If you are able to donate and can help us make transmissions as good as it can be, please visit our support page at transmissionspodcast.com slash support. On that page, you will find links to our Patreon page and a way to donate via PayPal. If you can't donate monetarily, please help us out by spreading the word about our show. No, it's late for you, so uh, you know we want to we want to maximize uh, our time. So <laughs> don't worry, we'll just all speak twice as quickly, and you know <laughs> we can have this done in in half an hour. No, it's fine. It's um, I, right now I feel I feel pretty awake. If if it is if it goes quiet, then I've fallen asleep. But I mean, we can just <laughs> you can okay. you can talk over that. I might drift in and out, and I might talk in my sleep. So spoilers and stuff. So just uh, oh fuck. Plot points. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, if there's a leak, if things get out, I'm, it's going back to you guys, okay? <laughs> I'm going to pretend that this is, we're, we're at a convention and, you know, and I don't feel relaxed talking to you unless I can imagine we're in a hotel room. Okay. So, yeah, so that's where we are, okay? We're in a virtual space. It's a hotel room. There's, there's about 400 quids worth of, of toys around us. And, uh, no, okay, I'm settled. <laughs> okay, so, so so that's your happy place, like uh, like I'm in tailgates. My happy place, uh, like tailgate, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm with friends. <laughs> Hello, all sentient beings, and welcome to the Transmissions Podcast, where we talk about all news, toys, and comic books related to the Transformers. On this episode of Transmissions, we sit down with comic writer James Roberts to talk about why his stories are, wait for it, more than meets the eye. So open your briefcase and warm up the quantum generator. We're about to start Transmissions. Welcome to Transmissions, the podcast that's traveled back in time to become its own grandfather. I'm your host, Charles, a.k.a. Big C, and I'm joined by the excellent Transmissions team. Yusuf, better known as Yoshi. Uh, Yoshi? Uh. (laughs) Yoshi, you sound Uh. different. Uh. (laughs) That was a different yodel, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy, a.k.a. Yakko. I got a baby. (laughs) And now he doesn't talk. <laughs> and Daryl, the Cybertronian beast. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Let's talk Transformers. And babies. <laughs> so, Yoshi is not here today, unfortunately, but uh, we're going to move on with the show. We have a very special guest today on the show. Known for tugging at your heartstrings and then ripping them to shreds. He's the writer of the popular Transformers More Than Meets the Eye comic series. Please welcome Mr. James Roberts. Hey, hello. <laughs> Sorry, I I can't welcome myself. Can I can I can show you how excited I am to be here. Um, I'm I'm doing a small dance at the end of the phone. <laughs> yeah, you know, controlled controlled movements. Um, hello. Yes, thanks for having me. Thanks for um, 
inviting me on. Oh, we're we're always happy to have you on. Thank you for uh, thank you for joining us. No, we're good. We're good. It's um it's been a um I don't know when this will go out, but it's been it's been a a, a crazy couple of days. Good a good few days. Issue thirty eight's just come out. So um, people seem to be pleased with it generally. So um yeah yeah, yeah. you've 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 caught me at a good time. <laughs> We're at a high point here. <laughs> I'm at a high point that you know that the, the crash will follow. It may be during this interview, but um, <laughs> right now, right now I'm I'm flying high. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well. Let's start off. Let's let's get into some uh, more than meets the eye talk. Okay. So uh, just to start off, uh, more than meets the eye, it, it seems has been referred to by a lot of people as the best comic you're not reading, and. Uh, yeah. This can I think this can be said for Transformers and comics in general that they're not the you know the hugest sellers, uh, but definitely, definitely I think the quality I think among the, the comics readers has, we've noticed that the quality is definitely at a high point. So why do you think that uh, the the sales don't seem to match the quality, and what can we do to improve that and and change that? Um, I, I think there's still a lot of um of resistance to to picking up you know and anything with 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 transformers on it you know any comic um and it's the same um to two different degrees um with other uh licensed titles i mean that they uh there's a lot of i don't know why there's a lot of baggage um i mean particularly when you're talking about um uh, any franchise that's been around for a long time um and gone through various iterations people are going to have you know certain preconceptions mm-hmm. about what the stories are like um yeah and 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 that can sometimes work against it uh yeah i don't know it's it's funny i think john and i have talked about it before together and in different interviews that there's people need that extra bit of convincing it seems to to pick up a transformers comic um and when they do hopefully um they'll see okay this maybe wasn't what i was expecting and and they jump right in but it's just that first you know that first nudge you know that 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 the need to convince someone to give it to give it a go um, like I said, I think I think it's to, to do with preconceptions, um, and you know maybe a feeling that, uh, and again, I, 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 this is this is the wrong uh, feeling, but you know the feeling that it's going to be sort of simplistic or you know you know childish and you know black and white and or or just or just a, an extended advert, you know, for the toys, um, which it isn't. So yeah, there's all those there's all those added um, conscious or subconscious you know associations, which people need to get past. Uh, just just to pick it, pick up an issue. Now, having said that, it, I, I'm sensing increasingly uh, that thanks to the championing of of, of both titles, Molemitsi and, and and Rid or X Rid, um, I'm sensing that more and more people are willing to give it a go. And that there's there's so much to be said for you know just the power of um, word of mouth. And the more people um, pick it up, pick up on the, you know the uh, the acronyms on Twitter or on Tumblr or on comics forums, you know all stuff like that. The more good things they hear about it, it just sinks into their brain gradually, uh, and until they reach that tipping point where they think, you know, well, what the hell? Uh, I'll see what all the fuss is about. So, you know, don't Esther. I, I would say, you know, let's not underestimate the power of just talking up these titles and, and keeping them, you know, keeping them out there, referencing them, um, and you know, sustaining the vibe around them. It's starting to pay off, I think. Um, yeah. The, the, the titles themselves are, you know, a rock solid in terms of in terms of their numbers. Um, they're not spectacular, as you say, but they are they're they're really steady. Um, and we're three and a half years in almost now 
and you know there's there's been very little variance in the in the monthly in the monthly figures in terms of hard copies um but i think uh, that digitally um not only you know, has have they have they grown are they growing almost month after month in terms of copies sold digitally but um but they are among uh, idw's best selling digital comics i, I think and you know, I, and before we had this conversation today, um, you know, somebody was saying on uh, on Twitter that um, you know the latest more than meets the eye is at number eighteen, I think, on Comicsology. Um oh. in, in in the US, Comicsology in the UK, I think it got to number nine last issue. I don't know what it, don't know what it is this this time round. So you know, they punch well above their weight um, digitally, um, and also in the trades. Um, there is a I can't quote figures or, or exact proportions, but there's a there's a disproportionate leaning towards um, people buying the trades of of the series, um, you know, compared to the uh, the the hard copies. So you know, it's it's all it's positive, um, yeah. and like I say, the more more people you know show enthusiasm about them, um, then you know it'll it'll get through, and that's how I, I mean I'm not. Um, you know, I'm not an avid reader of of, uh, of of lots and lots of comics, um, but those that I do read, it'll be because you know they've been recommended to me by people whose taste I trust, or you know I just see the same names, or creators, or titles coming up and up again in the in the sites I look at or the magazines I read until I think, okay, look, you know, there's got to be something in this, so I'll mm-hmm. check it out. Yeah, yeah, and I guess to providing a little extra incentive, IDW surprised us with the the new humble bundle that uh, was just announced yeah um i don't know whether it'll still be available when this goes out but um it's it's in it's incredibly <clears throat> incredibly good value you know you can pay you can pay whatever you feel you can afford to pay and get literally the entire run of more than meets ci minus the very latest issues that's 37 issues and then if you pay a little bit extra we're talking five quid or, or you know 11 12 13 dollars um you know, you can get the run of Robots in Disguise. You can get Dark Cybertron in there too. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been up. Well, as we speak, it's been up about twenty-four hours. But they've shifted. Um, well, they've made about seventy thousand dollars and counting. Um, and they've shifted. I mean, that's about six and a half thousand runs of more than meets the eye that they that, that, that people out there have picked up. So it's it's all good. It's all good stuff. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Hopefully this this will be up before the humble bundle ends. So. If you're listening yeah. and you haven't tried the comics, definitely uh, that's a that's a great starting place. I mean, for less than fifteen or twenty dollars, you can get all issues of More Than Meets the Eye and Robots in Disguise. So that's a great deal. I think it was like a hundred and fifty-five dollars worth of comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's not to be sniffed at. You know, that's like a once in a in a lifetime. Opportunity. I don't want to oversell it, but you know, <laughs> but you you you'll you will regret it. And I don't want people to be, you know, to to be screaming and 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 the gnashing of teeth when when this goes, and they think, oh, why, you know? And and people do they carry these regrets through life, and that will be one of them. <laughs> you know, I, I don't you know I don't want to big it up, but goodness me, this you you'd be a fool not not to not to take up this offer, and it's for charity, you know. Yeah, and every time, every time a bundle, I mean, I say it's for charity. Ninety-five percent of it goes to goes to me and John, um, you know, to spend on whatever we want. So <laughs> no, that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on the uh, kind of transition between digital and physical comics? I mean, in the last year or so, we've seen a huge shift where now with digital comics, they're even uh, like with especially like a service like Comicsology. 
You can, mm. if you buy the comics, you get like a, a completely uh, DRM free copy. So you can just mm. download the whole issue instead of having it locked to a device or anything. And uh, that's, that, that's important. That was an important uh, step forward. Yeah. Uh, and I think IDW were one of the first to, um, to sort of, you know, really push that and pioneer that. Um, no, I think it's, it's just, it's, it's good. It's the way it's going, isn't it? Like all things like newspapers, like everything, you know, that everything physical that can be rendered digital. Um, that, that is where the trend, yeah, that's, that's what, that's what, that's where we're heading towards. Um, and, and, and fine, you know, I mean, I, I speak as somebody that's, that sort of fetishizes, um, you know, the physical. I mean, I still, I've got my vinyl records and I've got my old, you know, physical fanzines and, mm-hmm. and I, and I, you know, I get, I get hard copies and trade, if not singles, uh, of the comics I like, but I also download them digitally, you know, the, the portability, the, the, the affordability. Um, it's, yeah, you, there's, there's no real downside to it as far as I can see. And you know, and 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 it, as as the humble bundle proves, you know, you can just because it it, it costs very little for the you know to, um, in terms of production, you know, once you once you've created the product, and whether you you know you're offering you're offering it up, and whether whether a thousand people get it or one person get it gets it, you know, the the cost of produ- producing it is the same. So you know, it it, it allows for all sorts of you know clever, um, generous offers you know and you know you can you can have a package of issues you know introductory package you know you can sample stuff for free mm-hmm. so yeah good all good do you think there's uh any kind of tension with because i mean a lot of the the bundles they usually tend to look at the back catalog to kind of you know entice people to try things mm-hmm. they haven't looked at before but it but with uh, kind of the newest comics the uh, first run things that are coming out weekly they don't want to cannibalize the physical sales by you know marking down the digital comics right away. So do you think mm. that's ever going to shift, or do you think that's it's going to things are are usually going to stay how they are now? Um, I for, for what it's worth, I, th- I think the um, the fear of cannibalization will change because ultimately, well, it, it may be that they devise other ways to, to to make money off the digital copies, you know, other than you know simply the cost of you know or the sale price. Maybe they can leave a ad revenue in there or something, or maybe companies will, um, you know, create their own platforms on which to sell mm-hmm. comics and land out. You know, there's, there's some revenue to be made there, uh, and that I think will, will will change the focus, you know, away from sort of hard copy sales versus digital. But I think for those who, you know, if you measure the success of a title. Um, principally on the number of hard copies it's sold, then you know which which seems to be the case these days. I mean, it's difficult to to um, ascertain you know the numbers of digital copies sold. And you know when we look at the charts and and when we sort of yeah when when you look at the charts, it's it's usually uh, on hard copies alone. So you can see why the uh, the desire at the moment is still to to keep those sales healthy, to bump up the hard copies and stuff. Yeah. I, I do I do think it'll change. I think. It, I don't know if you said it, but you know it, it's a transitional period we're in now. Yeah, um, and and you can't, you know, it, it's only going to keep moving forward. I think away away from hard copies. Okay, so let's let's get into more than meets the eye a little bit. So uh, I think uh, more than meets the eye really lives up to its name, and that uh, I think we see a lot of subtext and nuance behind the surface story of transforming robots. I think people have have talked a lot about how. You use you use these stories to touch on a lot of very human themes, human you know the human condition. Uh, do you sometimes see readers reading even more into the story than you intended? Yeah, you do. You you do sometimes. Um, yeah, and it, and it's usually in a well, it's usually in a positive way. 
Uh, and sometimes it's you know it, it reflects well on me in a way that I don't deserve because you know they they give me the benefit of the doubt if they if they detect a, a certain subtext or they look at um, I don't know some visual clues or something or um, whatever um, and they usually assume it was intentional and and often it is um, but but not always um, yeah it's I think actually where the reading in um, or you know reading between the lines the inferences and so on the, the perhaps the added uh, interpretations that people bring to it. Uh, is is I would hope uh, a testament to the, the the extent to which they're invested in the characters, because it tends to be around characters and interactions and relationships that you you get people filling in the, the blanks or, or or you know um, making the extra effort to to interpret um, and and extrapolate and, and interpolate and so on. So you know I, I'd hope it's um, it's it reflects the um, the, uh, the connection that people feel with the the characters in the book. Uh, and if that's the case, then great. Cool. Uh, when you're writing uh, all these characters, do you have uh, particular voices in your head for each one? Like, do you do you envision the G1 voice actors or some other uh, sets of voices when you're writing them? Um, in terms of li- li- literally, do I do I hear different voices? Uh, not really. No, uh, and I, I'm deficient in this area because uh, I know I know for lots of people um, they do have very particular. Um, you know, or there's an an audible difference, if you like, in their head as that as they listen to people, and they're also very, uh, you know, uh, adept at saying, okay, well, in my mind, this character sounds like you know, real life person X or Y, uh, and I don't really have I don't really have that. Um, obviously, what I do have uh, is is sort of their their voice in terms of their character voice, so the you know, the the way that the type of things they would say and the way that they would say them. Yeah, you know, because of the type of person they are, because of the character they are. I mean, that's um, that's strong uh, mm-hmm. as you'd expect, as you'd hope. Um, but no, in terms of, no, they all as 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 banal as this sounds, they all sort of sound um, generically British, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in, you know, in terms of in terms of how they would, uh, and I don't, and I don't, you know, if put on the spot, I wouldn't try and um, um, I wouldn't try and promote this idea that um, in if you like in real life, so to speak, that's what they sound like. Um, um, yeah. Okay. Uh, what do you think, in your opinion, is the best work in my you've head? Done? In my head, they've got certain speech patterns. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what, the best, the best story, the, the best story. Yeah, the, um, the best, the best work you've done. Say, if you're if you're going for a writing job and you have to submit a portfolio of samples, yeah. what would you what would you put in there that you think would be the most standout that you would think would be the best representation of your work. Okay, so the easy questions we're going to get. Okay, let me think <laughs> about that. Um, I would possibly... Um, I might... This is going to sound cheesier, but I might say issue 40, um, which you know, is cheesy because it's <laughs> yet to come. Um, but that also makes me feel... Uh, you know, what I, <laughs> that's not fair. <laughs> there's, there's, no, I'll, I'll expand on this, of course. But I mean, you know, um, not only does that get me off the hook in terms of saying you know, something you haven't seen yet, so you can't judge me on that, <laughs> but also it, it avoids that um, that the terror the writer feels that their best work is behind them, and uh, <laughs> it's only been downhill since. Um, no, I mean issue uh, issue six um, interiors is a sort of a a nice self-contained standalone issue, which I felt. I think for I think that was the first issue where I sort of felt I had the rhythms of a TV episode um, okay. in terms of how it was structured, which is sort of what not always, but uh, what I quite like to try and get 
with more than meets the eyes that had sort of the more of the the structure of a TV episode, like I said. Um, and chaos theory. I mean, I, I almost said chaos theory uh, in answer to your question, but but then I thought, God, that's the first thing I did solo. So um, what does that say? But um, <laughs> but, but it is. But it, it in many respects, chaos theory sort of lays the foundations um, in all sorts of, of ways for for what what came next with more than meets the eye. But chaos theory is, is a test. Was a test of me as a writer because it, a lot of it was um, the spine of the story. Certainly, part one. Uh, it was. Um, you know, two people, two people in a room having a conversation. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in trying to, if we were, if I was trying to sell myself to other people, I, I might point to that. Okay. Now you talked a little bit about how in the past, uh, Transformers comics have, you know, have been meant as an advertisement for the toys. And <clears throat> we have seen a little bit, I mean, it's not huge, but there has been a little bit of a return to that with dark Cybertron last year and then Windblade. And continuing this year with Combiner Wars, so we do see a lot of that, uh, you know, a lot. But uh, I think it seems like there's a lot more synergy between the comics writers and and the toy company now. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing that I have noticed is that with more than meets the eye, it seems like the reverse is happening. That Hasbro looks at what you're doing in the comic and what Alex uh, and Nick Roche are doing with the designs of the characters, and they're taking cues from that. And even third-party designers are doing that as well. So, what do you think of that? How how does that? Are you gratified by that? How does that make you feel? Oh, oh, oh! It's 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 um, tremendously gratifying. Um, I think it's it's a it's a. An, I was going to say an unfair comparison, really, between the two titles, because you know, with more than meets the eye from day one, the idea was, um, you know, these these are a group, a real mixed bag of characters, and they include a lot of. Uh, you know, C-listers and D-listers and indeed entirely new characters. Um, and I, you know, I, I did that partly selfishly because it gave me more, uh, you know, space uh, around which to write stories. I could, I could create, you know, backstories for each of them and things. And, uh, and that was the motivation. Um, but, you know, and so because of that, more than meets the eyes had a sort of a, a, a notionally fresh cast of characters, um, a lot of whom have had toys before. Um, and so what you're seeing in some cases is like um, perhaps the inevitable, you know, um, return of certain toys uh, to an extent off the back of more than characters. And that is, that is good to see. Um, but, you know, and Robots in Disguise, by contrast, um, had, you know, had people like Starscream and Bumblebee and so on who, you know, were big characters, justifiably, mm-hmm. um, and, and and often had, to, you know, and usually had, had a toy out around them already. Um, so, um, yeah, it, no, but I mean, it's great to see. I mean, when we, we're talking now... Um, only a few weeks after the Ultra Magnus, uh, the latest Ultra Magnus was yes. was released, and with with Minim- Minimus Ambus um, as an actual real thing um, <laughs> in it, which was which was unbelievable, and and I think that was the um, sort of the apotheosis to me thus far of you know that that sort of synergy you're talking about, or, or the way that Modern CI to an extent has um, has, has helped shape and inform the toy arrangement. That, that's mad and, and wonderful. Uh, and to see the little Minimus Ambus figure and the color scheme's the same. I think he's even got a little mustache. Um, <laughs> that's that, that's fantastic. Um, and it, I think it was only today um, I was told that on the back of the new uh, Combiner Wars packaging, you know, that you've got the tech specs, you've got the bios, and they are they're, they're rung. It's rung that is giving this yes um, this bio, and that and that I, that's that is immensely exciting, and uh, bringing it makes me smile. 
um, yeah, great. You know, I, mm-hmm. if 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 there can be a Nautica figure, that'd be great, or a DJD set. You know, mm-hmm. all that would be great. But um, yeah, no, I I don't know. It's it's a whole different level, isn't it? I mean, they, they make hundreds of thousands of these toys, um, and you know, we talked about the print runs for for, for the comics, and even you know, even the digital runs. You know, they pale in comparison to the number of. Uh, the, these toys, uh, certain of these toys, anyway, that are, that are that are mass produced, and to think that like a minimus Ambus figure will be in thousands and thousands of, of homes, you know, and played with by kids. That's cool. Yeah, happy. Mm-hmm. Did you did you know about the minimus Ambus before Toy Fair? The announcement? Uh, no, I no, not not really. No, not 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 with certainty. I'd heard some rumblings, but I'm not um I'm not really party to. Uh, to, to, to that side of things so mm-hmm. often it is a, it is a surprise to me i didn't know about the rung thing either that's cool you know okay. it's um you know surprise me <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what i don't so i don't know what's around the corner yeah. um um so yeah so when i say like oh it'd be great if there was a rodimus a more than mitzi rodimus figure for example that's not me dropping a hint that's me <laughs> gen- like if, like other people that want a rodimus figure thinking i wonder if there is going to be one yeah <laughs> the um have you been asked to include any particular characters in more than meets the eye? Um, not outside of dark Cybertron um, with, you know, the, the cross cut and others um, was the last one. Um, there was, I mean, we did back when we hadn't worked out exactly how combiner wars was going to play out. Um, then yeah, the, uh, the maneuvering their protector bots onto the lost light was in anticipation of those coming out as toys and, 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 and more than Mitzi I having a far more bigger role, uh, having a bigger role to play uh, in combiner wars. Actually, I must, I must say in, in relation to that, that question and an earlier sort of statement you made about, you know, the, to, to what extent each of the two main titles are carrying the weight of, of, of the toy promotions. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, more than Mitzi I has an unfair advantage because of the structure of the story and because of the nature of the story. It's, you know, they're, they're on a quest. They're, they're, they are physically, far removed from the rest of the idw transformers universe you know from, right. from windblade and cybertron and earth and so you know if nothing else the simple sort of story logistics of bringing you know the bringing everyone back or, or or you know finding way to to bring the cast together um for the sake of a crossover you know it's 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 more difficult and it would it takes more con- you know, a higher level of contrivance to bring them together and mm-hmm. we did it once for dark cybertron if you do it again in my view you know, you just you undermine the whole notion of these guys sort of questing forth and and, and you know and going you know forging ahead into the unknown. Because mm-hmm. you know, it's like you're it's like you're tugging the leash every so often and bringing them back right. to Earth and Earth and Cybertron. So I think if anything, if more than Mitsui, in as far as Combiner Wars is concerned, um, is sort of you know, at once at once removed from from the action, it's it's because of the nature of the quest. Mm-hmm. So uh, just switching gears a little bit. Uh, do you have any plans for Transformers conventions this year? Uh, I know you you're a regular uh, guest at Auto Assembly. Do you plan to get to any ones over here uh, this year? Um, I, well, I, maybe I, I haven't been invited actually to any uh, as we as we as things stand. Okay. Um, so we will see. We'll see. I mean, obviously, I expect the phone to start ringing as soon as the podcast goes out. You know, uh, <laughs> be inundated. Um, and you know, uh, no, I not yet. I mean, I've done um, I've done the big ticket. Transformers ones in recent years, uh, the, the Amer- North American and Canadian ones. Um, so I, you know, and it tends to be that there's a like a um, they don't have they don't have the same guests every year. So I'm not necessarily expecting uh, in 2015 to go back. 
Mm-hmm. We will see. Um, I'll, I, I'll be doing auto assembly again. Um, I've had another invitation to a um, uh, to one in the UK um, ish, UK ish, um, which we'll see whether that pans out. But um, yeah, we'll. Um, it'd be, it would be good. It would be very good to get over to uh, to America again uh, and see you know and see fans over there because it's always amazing fun. Yeah. All right, now let's let's go into uh, elegant chaos a little bit. So, mm-hmm. uh, listeners, if you haven't uh, picked up more than meets the eye number thirty eight yet, uh, stop the podcast, go get it, read it, then come back mm-hmm. and join us because we're we're going to go deep into into the story here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, first of all, uh, we did talk uh, back in October in TF- at TFCon Chicago and. Uh, at, at the time, you mentioned how it was getting harder for you to kind of see the mystery without everyone solving it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And I think we did see a little bit of that here. I mean, at least I know a lot of people had predicted kind of the what for the last yeah. part of Elegant Chaos. Like, okay, uh, Megatron, his spark is blue. We know he's a point one percenter, blah, blah, blah. We know something's going to happen. The sparks are going to get switched. Mm. So all that, I think people had pretty much worked out. But what... I think was surprising was the motivation, why, what happened, you know, who actually yeah. pulled the trigger there. All those things I think yeah. were very, uh, very surprising, at least for me. And are you happy with the reaction to the story? To the story? Absolutely. I, I think it's been the, um, I think it's literally been the best reaction to, to a more than meets the eye story since, since we started, which is enormously gratifying when you're, you know, when you're 38 is into it. And, um, and I never take, uh, cause it's, you know, I, I'm very fortunate. There's usually, usually a positive reaction, um, from a majority of people. Uh, and that's great. Um, I, I never assume that's going to be the case. Um, I, I have said, I did say on Twitter that I, I was personally proud of this issue in particular. Um, and so it's very, it's reassuring actually to, to see that most <laughs> people, um, feel that, feel that it was, um, yeah, feel that it was good. So yeah, can't, can't complain at all about the way, the way it's been received. Um, yeah, the, in terms of, of seeding a mystery and, and yeah, I, I did pick up that, um, the Transformer fandom hive mind had, had set to work, um, you know, a- analyzing the, uh, clues and had, had come to the, well, what I knew to be the right conclusion. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I, yeah, they were in the first three pages, I think, of issue 38. So the three pages you're going to get as a preview two weeks ahead of time normally, you know, there's, there's the green glow, um, coming out of brainstorms stomach so or chest so if you know if you if you were in any doubt as as to the sort of you know as to whether your theory was sound that would have cemented it um but i did know at least that there was more to it than that mm-hmm. although having said that you know i start to i start to think oh god you know people are going to look at the a nick's cover to issue 38 which is which is rodimus standing but you know sort of symbolically standing between whirl and, and rewind and i thought they're going to guess now aren't they they're, they're going to guess that it's these two these are the two people referred to in the in the solicits, and then you know because I've the clues are there in terms of uh, world's discovery in part two that it was the functions that were behind his impurata, um, you know, and they know that rewind is sort of gradually coming uh, to learn more about the uh, functionist universe. So I thought, oh, people are going to work out that um, Rung will be the one to save Megatron, and rewind will be the one to to shoot him and stuff. But I didn't. I don't, I don't scour all these things. Uh, I don't, I don't sort of wade through the forums looking, 
Um, not least because I'll be sad when people guess it, but I don't think um, people guessed uh, that element of the story, which mm-hmm. is a relief. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's like I said to you last time, I, you've got to give some clues, otherwise it's just completely, uh, you, you haven't earned the resolution then. Uh, you know, any, anyone can withhold stuff, but it is going to be detrimental to, to the story if there aren't some sort of clues, because you just think that's come out of nowhere. I, mm-hmm. I don't, um, I, I've not been carried towards that conclusion because, you know, you've not, you've not given me any breadcrumbs um, so far. So, you know, I mean, and I, I think with that cover, that cover kind of, I think most people would take the opposite conclusion from it. Like they'd think Whirl would be the one to want to kill Megatron and Rewind would yeah. be the one defending him. So I yeah. think that's a little bit of a misdirection there, which is good. No, I think, well, that, that probably, that was what would reassure me. <laughs> I think, okay, that, that's, that's the uh, obvious interpretation, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know. Um, and this is going to sound self-pitying, but you know, try, writing the solicits um, and certainly, you know, giving giving Nick and Alex and others ideas for the for the covers um, without spoiling stuff. You know, that that balance between wetting people's appetites and and not giving the game away. Um, you know, sometimes it's easier easier than others. You you don't want a bland solicit, and you certainly don't want a bland cover. Um, I don't think Alex and Nick and others are even capable of giving a bland cover but you know in terms of what it's depicting you want something which is bold or striking mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, but which doesn't give the whole thing away so uh, so we continue to yeah mm. yeah i mean just just to to continue on with that theme what do you think about i mean i know it's necessary that uh, comics companies in general they release their solicits 3 months ahead of time and they release covers and things like that but we also mm-hmm. notice that sometimes IDW releases kind of just to promote promote the books and try to entice readers. They do kind of mm-hmm. sometimes tend, you know, give a little bit more of the game away mm-hmm. than we would like. And and the spoilers, mm-hmm. you know, it. I mean, we and on on our show we try to to minimize the spoilers that we release and we try to give as much warning as possible. But we do see mm-hmm. that it with in the age of social media that mm-hmm. if one person has it, it kind of it's out there and you you'd have to avoid every site if you didn't want to see things. So d- does that yes, bother yeah. you at all? Or, or do you think it's, it's um, a difficulty? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an anti-spoiler guy. I mean, in, <laughs> personally, in, ter- in, ter- in terms of what I, yeah, the stuff I watch and follow, um, I will, I'll avoid spoilers. Um, because I just, I, I, I for me, it, it dilutes the experience of reading it. And, uh, there's, you know, you'll, um, you can only be spoiled once, you know, and I prefer to be spoiled when I'm, reading or watching the thing in question that's me um you know there is a need to to um get people interested and there's a need to you, you do want you do want conversation you do want speculation you want people to be talking about the product and um, and and being you know involved in the story it helps you know it keeps the fandom alive if, if there's like a shared conversation to be had about what's happened and what's what could be happening next so i get all that um, and i'm pleased to see though that we you know that we've moved away from what used to be a seven page preview you know you know, you, you, there was a time when you know you'd be giving away the first third of basically a third of the issue, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's now a five-page thing. It's also now whether whether this is by accident or design, whether it's symptomatic of, of delays in shipping and whatever, or, or just there's been some weird scheduling lately because of you know events outside of IDW's control. But because of that, there's been um, you know there's been a, a previews coming out like 24 hours ahead of the release itself, and that's easier for people to avoid. 
Um, the temptation isn't yeah. there for as long, if nothing else. And I'm, I'm, that's great. I mean, yeah, for, for me, I would, yeah, uh, if there has to be previews, bring them out uh, nearer the time um, and you know, limit limit the uh, the length of them and make it easier for people to sort of, you know, turn away for, for, for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Now, with, mm-hmm. with Elegant Chaos, you've I think you've previously described it as kind of the third part of a trilogy consisting mm-hmm. of uh, Chaos Theory and then Shadow Play. And so, basically, uh, you know, if I can uh, become my uh, police interrogator and, and shine the spotlight on it, on you, yep. uh, how how much did you know, and when did you know it? <laughs> in terms of in terms of the story, what did, um, what did you have planned out ahead of time? <laughs> okay, I didn't. Uh, well, when I wrote Chaos Theory, um, that you know, there's a reference in there to to Megatron. There's a question around whether Megatron's constructed cold or forged. And um, at that point, I knew what the distinction was, you know, bearing in mind that we didn't really uh, explain or define these terms until, you know, remain in light. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but I was planning more than meets the eye, so I knew, I knew why there was a difference and why that mattered. Um, which one of those Megatron was, or indeed the fact that he's a hybrid, that that hadn't come to mind yet. Um so, so, um, and so, but, and the thing about the batch code number being missing, that was just to generate some mystery around, around the character. And, okay. you know, there's no, there's no harm in, um, I, you know, and it's something I do when applicable, uh, when I get the opportunity, but there's no harm in sort of cre- creating these little story hooks, um, that you, you may never go back to again, uh, and it won't be to the detriment of the story overall. But should you want to, you know, go back and pick it up and have some fun with it, you can do that. Just these little, you know, little pockets of opportunity you can you can create, and that was one of them. Um, when I came to write um, More Than Meets the Eye, and by the time I was um, planning Shadow Play, um, in fact, but by, by the time when I wrote Issue One of More Than Meets the Eye, and I had the the warning at the end, I, I absolutely knew then it was a warning from the past. It was being sent from the past, not from the future. Um, oh. and yeah, and I, because, and I, and I sort of wish I'd done more now because the, the thing is now it, it, it may look as if that's been sort of, you know, that, that, that's an idea that's come to me late and I've been able to sort of retrofit it and make it applicable to the past. Um, but you know, there's, there's a, there's a bit in issue one where, um, whoever is sending the message, um, is interrupted by someone else and he's like, he, he pauses to say, you know what? And then in issue 38, we see that's Riptide interrupting tailgate and correcting him um, after he says the word future. Mm-hmm. So that's my, if you like, that's my evidence, um, you know, Your Honor, that, um, <laughs> that it was, it, that it, was uh, it was, it was intended to be, to be in the past. And when I wrote the dialogue for issue one, uh, the intention always was that that was the point at which someone is saying to him, didn't know it was going to be Riptide, Riptide didn't exist then, but somebody was going to be interrupting the character. I think I had in mind, I think it was going to be Chrome Dem and Rewind um, sending the message and it was going to be one of them rewind saying to chrome dome actually you know mate we're technically in the past so that that was that was planned out uh, and when i came to write shadow play um with the lost light there you know the model lost light that yeah. was obviously um you know i knew then that i wanted to do this um i what i'd always wanted to do with a comic was to reintegrate old panels um i couldn't be certain then uh, and thank goodness it panned out as it did, but I couldn't be certain that the same creative team would be involved, um, you know, three years or whenever it was that I, that I'd get to telling the, uh, 
the actual time travel story. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like, um, you know, the old Marvel UK, um, you know, Simon Furman's Galvatron saga in that, you know, he, his, the bulk of his run on the UK comic was defined by the, the Galvatron in the past storylines and the escapades of the future, you know, post movie Autobots. And then with time wars, which was the climax to his, to his run uh, in many ways, um, you know, he, he brought the two together, you know, he, he, he had the future Autobots going into the past on mass to um you know to get mega to get galvatron and so it, it, I, I didn't set out to emulate that but in a way it's sort of you know a similar theory a similar okay. sort of uh, ethos you know you had chaos theory was uh, principally a tale of the past uh, shadow play was as well and here we are with the sort of climax to the trilogy you get in what was hoped i hope to be the best of both worlds you've got our heroes from the present day actually interacting with characters that you've only discovered or, or, or read about you know through the you know through the device of, of of somebody telling a story so you know the the, the two things come together mm-hmm. so yeah charles so knows the um charles knows the, the corners of the panels and um mm. pointed that out and i hadn't even noticed it and it goes all the way back to issue one yeah where oh, you, the, um, the, you have the, 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 the rounded corners are the flashback scenes yeah i see i think that i um that's a you that was certainly a transformers uk device and i blithely assumed that was like you know comic book convention um which shows that i didn't read many comic books between you know 1992 and you know the early this century but i so i it was sort of the lingua franca franca of comics uh, comic storytelling i thought but i've just since discovered it's it's sort of less well known it's become for readers of more than me more than me see it's become you know uh, a device now when people are quicker to recognize it but you know, a, a lot, a huge amount can hinge on, on, on that sort of visual language because, uh, you know, in part two of, of Elegant Chaos, we've got that one flashback panel. Um, it's, it's page three um, when, you know, there's a flashback to Cyclonus kicking tailgate. Yeah. It's a flash, flashback to issue four. And, um, you know, in, in writing that scene, I thought to myself, very the very first draft of that scene didn't even have that flashback panel. It just had... Cyclone is turning to Telgate and saying sorry, and and the success or failure of that of that moment would have depended entirely on the reader being familiar enough with the comic and the dynamic of, between those characters to think, oh, okay, I assume he's referring to to what he did way back in issue four. Um, but you know that was too big an ask of anybody. Um, not every not everyone has this obsessive obsessive knowledge of of the comic as I does as I do. Um, so yeah, so we put the flashback panel in. Um, so I put it in there to mm-hmm. sort of yeah, hopefully avoid any ambiguity. But you know, there was still there was still some confusion and some people thinking actually, has, why has Cyclones has just whacked Tailgate? You know, during this very otherwise very peaceful moment, but um, yeah. <laughs> it all relies on noticing the curved corners, and that's why with issue one, I was quite pleased with the fact that you know with Tailgates, the transition from past Tailgate into present day Tailgate, which could just be a second. Um, it's you know it's 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 symbolized or it's conveyed through the curved to non-curved corners. Right. So when you were setting up, I mean, you had the idea for the time travel story. Did you know that it was going to center around Megatron? Because at the time you were writing Shadowplay, I guess you at that point knew that you were getting Megatron after Dark Cybertron, right? Or or you were in the planning um, stages for that. Yeah, when when I wrote the um, message for issue one, I didn't I didn't know. Well, it's funny because I, I obviously didn't know that the Megatron was going to be 
the captain or an Autobot by that point. But um, and it's very very vague. I I I think I did have in mind it was going to be a sort of let's kill Hitler type storyline. So they would have okay. they would have probably have gone back to kill Megatron in a in a far less layered <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know and um, yeah sort of layered way than we than we got to in the end. We got to, we got to a better place in the end, but it was probably no more than. I do love time travel stories. Um, you know, I've done Chaos Theory. I know, I know that Shadow Play is coming up. You know, I'd love to see the, to see a, a mashup between the two eras, uh, and that that was that was enough justification to have that. You know, message from the past in there. Mm-hmm. So how how do you maintain all the threads and storylines and make sure things don't contradict? I, mean, I think people recognize that you've you've constructed a pretty intricate story and. You've been pretty careful in making sure that everything fits together. So, mm. how, as you keep moving forward, how do you how do you maintain that, and how do you deal with a significant change? Like, I think Dark Cybertron that crossover might have thrown a wrench in the works for you in terms of it was an event that you weren't planning at the beginning, but then were able to mm. roll with it and incorporate a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, the big thing around that was it forced the. Uh, the thing about brainstorm being technically sort of dead, you know, and having, mm-hmm. you know, that, 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 that was utilized in a different way in the end, um, to, to no, you know, no great detriment, um, that came forward differently. I think actually I've been uh, through, uh, through luck more than design. I've been fortunate that, um, a lot of the, the larger, more than MCI story arcs in the ones that were seeded very early, um, haven't had to be adjusted much to, to, um, allow for Megatron being around, but in you know in terms of how you keep track of it, well, you know, more, more than meets the eyes is forever in my brain on some level, um, and you know the scripts themselves go through so many iterations, you know, you know drafts seven, eight, nine, and stuff. Um, it's like a cumulative thing. It's like it's like learning and relearning and rereading the same stuff so many times. It's um, you know you just become so familiar with it. Um, it's I. I I'm not perfect. I, I do. I do forget details, and there's times when I need to make corrections, and I can sometimes do that in the trade if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but by and large, you know, you just you. I, I'm I'm incredibly invested in 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 the title. Um, I really want people to continue enjoying it as much as they are. Um, I, I really really value the way in which um, the, the what I what I think is the average more than meets the eye fan really d- dives deep into it uh, and appreciates and looks out for and has come to expect the intricacy um and you know, is looking for the Chekhov's guns and and the little clues and and will go back and reread it um and get something different out of it so i think that's a really valuable part of the of the reading experience um it's certainly the way i like to write stories you know if if you can construct a story like a little chinese um you know lock or like a little chinese box and um you know get all the little um, you know the compartments sorted, and, and that yeah, if you can unlock, you get the keys fashioned in a certain way, um, that's great. And I think that adds another layer of sort of satisfaction to um, you know to, to, to the experience. So yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's it's always been what what writing um, you know a comic has been a comic mm-hmm. like that has, has been about for me. Um, um, someone else said you know, the other day about um, you know some of some of the payoffs have been a long time coming. I mean the the resolution if you like to the to the the message from issue one you know that took 38 issues that took over three years to get there who on earth was to say that more than missy i was going to last that long you know um 
it looks like a, it's a combination of naivety and 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 extreme arrogance. I think. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. And there's other stuff, you know, which we've um, we're nowhere near yet. So yeah, that naive, <laughs> naivety and arrogance is still still there. <laughs> well, uh, just just following on to that, uh, do you think there's a danger of making the story too dense or self-referential? I mean, do you think you need to strike a I, balance I, between I making it accessible? Is, I think there's a there's a danger of making it too self self referential, and I think uh, the elegant chaos finale is as close as you're going to get. It, it, it's it's a closed looped it's a closed closed loop story, both conceptually in terms of the time travel approach it takes, but also uh, in terms of cannibalizing its own history. Um, and it's and I was conscious actually that um, you know by cer- certainly with the throwing in the origin of, of the lost light and the origin of the spark eater. Um, that would that sailed very close to just to being too tidy. Um, it, it, I, I I satisfied myself that it that the 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 benefit was was there. The merits outweighed the you know the demerits, and I, and I went with it. Um, but that that I think is as is, is self referential and, and as, as I say as, as cannibalizing as you're going to get. Um, I don't think you know. I, I go back to what I said about about what readers get out of more than meets the eye. I think uh, a, an intricacy. Uh, a certain level of intricacy is expected and appreciated. I absolutely love the idea that you know that we don't dumb this down, we don't patronise readers. We we expect, um, and I can be confident that people are going to read it closely. That, that they will they will you know by which I mean they will they will reread it. They will look for clues. They will they will, they will put in the time and effort uh, to to keep up to speed with the story. And um, and why shouldn't they? <laughs> you know that that's. I mean, I I do that. You do that. We all do that with things that we with, that we love and that we enjoy. The TV we watch and stuff. You you know you'll um you'll dive straight into this stuff. And so if it can reward you, if it can reward that that close attention, then great. Everyone's happy. And I guess the other thing with Elegant Chaos, we are in 2015, so it's the 30th anniversary of uh, Back to the Future. It seems mm. like you've you've deliberately put a significant kind of call outs and homages to back to the future. I mean, at the end of issue of uh, 38, there's a, there's a clear reference there, but I mean, I think even with the story structure and Mm. you know, some of the, some of the actions that people take, I mean, we have uh, Rodimus uh, as Marty trying to prevent uh, Trailbreaker (laughs) as doc Brown from getting killed in the future. Um, So I I think it it almost felt to me like these three issues were loosely analogous to the three uh, back to the future movies would would that be a fair assessment or is it am i reading too much into that um no i mean it's it's it, it's fair but don't you know don't give me too much credit like we like we were talking earlier i mean certainly the 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 biggest um the the biggest thing is is part 2 it's you know back to the future 2 when they you know genius film that it is where they recycled you know the footage from the first one you know and, and you looked at it from a different angle it's one of the one of my, one of the best devices in any you know any film ever uh, any piece of entertainment ever and so you know the the recycling of shadow play and chaos theory <coughs> panels was definitely back to the future Two mm-hmm. inspired um and you know and and that was sort of referenced explicitly as you say at the end when they're watching that particular film um I hadn't. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't really. Uh, I wasn't really going for the sort of Marty trying to save Doc's life um, with part one. But what you do get with with this type of time travel story, 
and some of these time travel tropes um, can be laid at the feet of Back to the Future. Um, but you know, you do get a certain uh, time travel stories lend lend themselves to a certain type of sort of you know uh, character beat or whatever. And yeah. one is you know trying to trying to prevent something bad happening. And I and, and it, go, it can go one of two ways. Um, you know, either you you succeed and something worse happens, or you discover that you know the predestination paradox. You know, by doing you know, by trying to stop it, you actually make it happen. And that is, of course, the whole of Elegant Chaos is, is built around that idea. I've, I've, I mean, I am obsessed with with time travel stories and, and getting time travel stories right in terms of you know deciding what the internal logic of time travel is going to be, and then and then being being faithful to that logic. Right. And so that, and so, I think probably more effort went into the concepts in elegant chaos than, than anything else i've done with more than meets the eye because i wanted i really wanted to have my cake and eat it uh, in in every respect bar one this was a closed loop story this this was a, a universe within which time travel could happen but there was only ever one timeline and one universe and the actions you take however much you muck around in the past your your mucking around is what creates the conditions that led to you going back in time so that's the whole closed loop thing so i wanted that because that to me is um it, it's 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 fun it's satisfying you, you got you got opportunities to be clever with it and, and things that's good but at the same time i wanted to have the the dystopian future and i really like the idea of um uh you know an earlier drafts of the prologue with rewind and minimum numbers sort of had rewind phasing in and out of you know the dystopian fu- functionist um reality and um, not so much a future but the parallel Mm-hmm. reality uh, and and the lost light ones so he was going to at one stage he was literally going to walk he was going to bridge the panels and he'd walk you know if you can imagine a sort of six grid um six panel page um or even a, sorry a two two panel page two columns he was going to be walking out of one and into the other um it's hard to convey but in words but you know that he was going to be moving between these right. two realities so you know I, I had to come up with a way to allow myself to tell this story about another universe um when really you know how could that universe have been created if um if everything you do is is sort of reinforcing one reality and so having this you know as as we now know um it was through that sort of that one vulnerable point in space time when brainstorm's paradox uh trap or the paradox locks he'd created and per- and perceptor's tampering of those locks coinciding with the point when you know a, a socio-temporal hot hotspot is disrupted through mm-hmm. the murder of megatron that that created the extremely unique and unlikely moment where actually for that second or for that for that minute um normal rules didn't apply and you know it, it became possible to have parallel universes so uh, and actually while i'm blathering on about this um the because i don't know how clear it is ultimately from the from the epilogue but you know that functionist universe you know within that universe um parallel universes are possible and within those universes parallel universes but parallel universes are possible and it's possible that it, there's been time travel in those universes which have gone further back and created you know branchings off millions of years ago so the phenomenally arrogant um subtext there is that is that brainstorm's briefcase and more than the eye and this iteration of the transformers universe is the sort of base level um universe this is the this is the universe zero from which every other iteration of the transformers um you know continuities originated so this is the birth of the Transformers multiverse here. Yeah. <laughs> Until someone can contradict me. You know, <laughs> Until another story comes out, which, which makes that impossible. But that, that was the, uh, 
that was the intention. That was the sort of payoff at a, on a vaguely meta level. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have a chalkboard with a with a timeline drawn out like like uh, Back to the Future Part Two and Doc's explaining to Marty? Oh, where he you off? Know, I, I love I, I love that scene because it, it does just it. It's necessary, clearly, because we took that. That's one of the most complicated um, ideas to get across to you know to the average cinema audience. Then, uh, so I love the scene. I love the way they do it. But that 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 illustration more than anything invites the uh, the riptide observation there about you know well how did if that's the case how did how did Biff get back <laughs> right you know, twenty fifteen but um, anyway yeah that's the subject of the Back to the Future podcasts which I do every week so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, getting so. Let's if we can focus in on the characters now, because everything within Elegant Chaos turned on the motivations of the characters, particularly yes. uh, Rewind and Whirl. And yep. it turns out, I mean, with Rewind's motivation, I mean, he explains how he, he wanted to prevent uh, the Decepticons, the rise of the Decepticons. And but then at mm-hmm. the end, he actually ended up insuring it. So do yep. you think that that's do you think that's going to weigh on him in the future? I mean, he basically killed an innocent life for nothing, and yes, I, I, it but, seems like at the end of the story that hadn't sunk in for him at that point. Well, um, I mean, I've seen I've seen a few comments about about that um, <clears throat> about you know the fact that the brainstorm Decepticon thing, you know, we never got an answer to that really, um, and and other. Thing. And you got to, you know, as I said, you know, bear in mind this isn't that wasn't the last issue of More Than Meets the Eye ever, you know, uh, and we're not, and, and neither are we in the business of having super neat and tidy, you know, we we don't wrap things up and put a bow on and move on to an entirely different story. This is a serialized story, um, and and I try to be um, faithful to character arcs and and to and to follow to follow actions through and, and to look at consequences. Not always because you do, you know. There's a lot of characters, and you can't always devote as much time you know, to every to every one of them and, and explore everything to an nth degree. Um, and you do have to tell new stories. So you know, um, so some of those things will be looked at maybe sooner, maybe later, um, and some won't. But you know, you, um, not everything will be swept under the carpet. Um, mm-hmm. We've got the DJD next issue, mm-hmm. um, and in issue forty, it's um, it's a, it's a closed closed ship episode so it's all on uh, all on board the lost lights okay and it's uh we, we 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 it's 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 like it's like the, the it's like the other elegant chaos uh epilogue really if you like it's sort of the uh, the morning after the night before type thing um yeah that's right okay yeah um what else there was something else you said as well oh yeah no just i know i i'm i thank you for your observation that um the elegant chaos is is, is character driven because that was that was an explicit intention I wanted. I know I've said it uh, a lot, but you know that the, usually the whole of the Modern Mitsui storyline is is driven forward by character motivation uh, and decisions. And it was really important to me. And actually, you know, quite apart from the the fact I got I got to play around with sort of you know predestination loops and so on. But the the satisfying part of issue thirty eight to me was the fact that most characters had. Had a, had had a moment in the sun. They had they had there was there was some. They either had a dialogue, dialogue or they had a, a part to play in in, in the scenes um, that that um, that had an impact. You know that that drove the story forward, that changed the outcome, and and that was that that's that's really important to me to be able to tell stories in that way. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess another thing with the uh, Megatron. I mean, Megatron is pretty much 
an observer in the last at the end of the story and mm-hmm. we see i mean we we see definitely some some tough facial expressions for him and he and he's kind of left to ponder his existence here it mm-hmm. it it made me feel like it's the reverse of it's a wonderful life where you know in it's a wonderful yes. life george yes. bailey realizes that his life matters and he matters to people and and it matters that Absolutely. he existed and here it's no, the you're, exact you're, opposite. Yeah, you're, no, you're absolutely. In fact, I may that may even su- have survived into the script because because that was that, that was absolutely the intention. Um, so that may even have been a, a note in the script saying this is this is like the anti uh, wonderful life moment for Megatron because he it was it's it's very carefully um, choreographed that that scene because um, it was important that we established Megatron could hear what Rewind was saying. And that we we dwelt on his reaction to this this confirmation, and it's something which you know none of us will ever have in real life. <laughs> uh, here, here is here is you know, established as fact, you know, evidence that you have you know um, if if there was any doubt, you know, you have quantifiably uh, made the universe a worse place, you know, by 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 existing. And you know, on 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 some level, Megatron would have would have already reached that conclusion. That's why he is uh, he's contrite. But you know, you know, lest there be any doubt, we've now got scientific proof that billions of people would be alive had you not, you know, had you died or whatever, you know. So, um, yeah, that was that's a that's a sucker punch for Megatron, <laughs> and and I very deliberately, um, I very deliberately took him out of the of the the present day scenes after that point, um, and we don't see him again until he's um he's in his quarters uh, reflecting. Yeah, and I, I just following on to that, I mean, just in general. You've with these uh, with these past stories, you've added a little bit of depth and I would say three dimensionality to the Decepticon movement. It feels like uh, it resonates with something like the French or the Russian Revolution. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting to me is that you know in those in those real world revolutions, you kind of have an idealist who sparks the the revolution, and then later on you get a tyrant who kind mm-hmm. of takes advantage of the of the chaos and the aftermath. And mm-hmm. here you've got Megatron as the same person uh, for both of yeah. those roles. Do do you envision like how he how he the later Megatron rationalizes that? Like uh, you've you've mentioned in and touched on a little bit how he becomes kind of this supremacist who goes in and subjugates all the organic species. They, I think you called it uh, technoism or neo technoism. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, and that's yeah. kind of in opposition to his original treatise, which was all about equality. Yeah, uh, it's something which is. I'm going to he- hesitate slightly because I'm thinking how much of it survived. Um, but it's something which is addressed in issue 39, actually. Um, because, and if it isn't, I mean, I, I know we go there. But if it, I, I know that I also there was a longer scene which which you know I had to reduce in, in size. Um, and don't worry, anything which is which was cut out will we'll find its way back in eventually. But um, you know, the, the one thing we haven't really explored in the Megatron story <clears throat> is okay. We know that he started off um, as a minor. We know that he had, you know, he, he was railing against the injustices of the system. Uh, we know that he was oppressed. We know that he was a victim of state of state violence. Uh, we know how he reacted to that. We know that um, Terminus, you know, um, mentored him among others um, and, uh, you know, encouraged him to, you know, take, take the lead uh, against his, um, against his judgment, against his, you know, uh, will, if you know what I mean. 
Um, so we know that, um, and we know through Megatron origin um, how he ended up leading the Decepticons and so on. But what we haven't really explored um, yet is how that uh, philosophy translated to one which involved striking out, uh, you know, going beyond Cybertron and um, you know sorting out the rest of the universe, mm-hmm. uh, and how his um, you know anti-functionist um, position turned into a, an anti-organic position which which is which is different so you know i, I recognize that's uh, that's unexplored um and we we do as i say we, we we touch upon that in issue 39 um there's more to come um yeah i mean i'm sort of i'm, I'm focusing on, on one part of your question there but uh yeah, where Megatron is now, I mean, all of season two is is about is following him. I mean, he's he's at the heart of of virtually, if not every story. It doesn't always mean he's on the page. Doesn't always mean he's he's at the heart of the action. But you know, events are around are happening around him and because of him. Um, and hopefully, we are seeing him explore uh, in different ways the the impact of, of both his defection. Um, and um, you know the the different ways in which he is interpreting his legacy and looking back over what he's done, um, and the latest iteration of that, if you like, is is like I say, is the anti wonderful life mo- uh, moment when um, you know when it, when he learns, you know what things would have been much much better um, had I not had I not uh, you know done what I did. So uh, we've still got a way to go with that journey. Okay. Um, so also. When you mentioned how uh, we we tied up a, a couple of mysteries from the very beginning of More Than Meets the Eye with uh, the Spark Eater in particular, uh, I I tried to see if I could find any references to Brainstorm kind of building that Spark Eater gun. Is it? Yeah. Can Can I assume that he kind of took the remains of the Spark Eater and and used that in his research to to build that Spark Eater gun? Or you can you can and um, you know what that that is an example that that's right by the way. Um, but that's an example of me. That, that's where I didn't. I thought I can't. There's no way I can seed this earlier without without someone guessing what's going to happen. You know, <laughs> um, the, I, I mean, even the scene in part one when um, you know they're talking about you know raiding the experimental gun, you know, gun cabinet basically right. was uh, was sailing close to the wind. And, and actually, in, in the same spirit, um, the conversation either in the prologue or in part one when they're talking about spark compatibility, um, you know, I. I I had I, I tried to be honest in terms of thinking. Okay, the people that I'm picking to go back in time, they they unless unless I've I've missed unless I've got this wrong, they they do all share one of two spark types, um, and it's the it's brainstorms normal spark type and the point one percent of spark type um, that you know that, that, that became Megatron. Oh, so, um, okay. so every, every so everyone so it, it, I'm faithful to that to that concept. Everybody that went back in time, I think if you look at issue thirty one, the uh, twenty plus one uh, issue. Yeah, I've, I've um, got it in my notes actually right here. <laughs> I, yeah, I looked okay. it up. Vitreous um, positive and ferrum negative are the two yeah, spark so types. So I, th- I think everybody everybody uh, that went back in time falls into one of those two categories. Um, and you know, but I but I couldn't put too fine a point on that without without you know encouraging people to reach the green spark theory uh sooner than they than they yeah. than they did and mm. yeah uh, chris mcfeely helpfully uh put that in the wiki <laughs> so it was right there for everyone to see <laughs> oh, <is it? laughs> 
So yeah, so there we go. So some things, you know, you do, yeah, you do take things, take some things off the table uh, from time to time. But you know, the, yeah, the spark, the spark eater gun was it was was another you know loop, closed loop. Um, you know, right? You know, how did how did the um, if you like the technology that created the spark eater, how did that first come into being? Um, um, and the 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 sh- the in in part two when Whirl shoots the unnamed uh, heavy. Right, um, you know, um, and, and that's the last we see of that. But it was necessary to have a, uh, if you like, a rogue spark eater out there to create the myth in the first place. Right, um, you know, um, so, <laughs> so you know, you you can assume that 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 guy became a full blown spark eater. It, there may well be some way of of you know transmitting like an infection, you know, making other people spark eaters, um, um, which which you know again perpetuates the the myth and the legend. Um, and therefore, that's why when they do encounter this creature in issue three, you know, it's got all this sort of mythological baggage to it. Right. So another thing that we get with Elegant Chaos is a, is a lot more, uh, we delve a lot more into the the idea of functionism and it's, you know, a religious fundamentalism mm-hmm. in Cybertron. And we also see there's some tension between the 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 religious organization and the political organization it almost felt to me like uh how this tension between the functionist council and the senate and the senate mm-hmm. uh the senate reminds me of kind of cynical politicians who co-opt religiosity yes. for political power and then until it becomes problematic yeah, absolutely exactly. That, that, that is, that's exactly and you can add a third uh, leg to that as a third corner to the triangle which is the sort of lineage of primes you know yeah uh, as well um, which yeah, it's a I, I don't know. At one at one point, I was attempting to make it analogous to the uh, to the you know, to the American sort of constitutional system and you know, the diff- different um, pillars there, but it was just it, that served no purpose beyond being pretentious. So um, yeah, but that that's the sort of uh, certainly the tension is between the functionists and the and the um, and the Senate um, and the, really the nominous Prime and, and his predecessors. Um, they've sort of flared and had their time, and, and they're just being subsumed. Uh, into the, uh, the the mechanics of the state, really, they've just become they've become like the royal family. They're they're just sort of symbolic now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but by the time we get to to um, chaos theory, and I've noticed that the functionists all appear to have had themselves empurated, or if or it looks like they they are. I mean, we we've seen mm-hmm. in in the past in Shadowplay, you introduced empurata as kind of a punishment, but the mm-hmm. functionists appear to all have it done to themselves on purpose yeah well we yeah well we won't go into the functionists yet okay. into too much detail at this point <laughs> okay, so <laughs> all right we'll, we'll we'll move on to something else <laughs> um one thing and you mentioned the magic megatron origin uh and i feel like you've added a lot of backstory and context uh to megatron that uh that precedes what happens in megatron origin and I mean, to be honest, uh, Megatron Origin to me feels re- relatively thin as a story. Like we don't see a lot of his motivation. Do you do you think that that what you're adding uh, still fits really nicely with Megatron Origin? Would you like to go I, back and rebuild Megatron Origin? Maybe. Uh, no, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't want to touch it. I do. Um, I hope that what I've done it, it complements it um, uh, rather than you know contradicts it. Um, and 
I think. Oh, I mean, okay, that we're sort of blurring the lines between the sort of the in-universe stuff and 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 the and the, and the rest. But you know, I know that the Megatron Origin was 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 going to be longer than the four issues originally. It, right. it had to compress, I think, six issues worth of story into four, um, which may account for you know the the, the pace at which it moves. Um, but no, I mean, and I think particularly with Elegant Chaos, I, I I'm more explicitly than 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 at any point prior to that. Um, I, I try to say to say, look, this is this is you know, Megatron's uh, the the evolution of Megatron uh, very much involves chaos theory and Megatron origin and this story. You know, so we've, we 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 explicitly explicitly say that the murder of the guard on on um, Crotius Twelve was, right. uh, was part and parcel of of what made him who he is. But you know, I think um, the, I I sensed that there was uh, ample scope to to there was there was. There was blanks to fill in, and and those blanks weren't there, you know, because of um, you know bad writing or anything like that at all. It was just that it's, you know, you you could spend fifty issues writing the the origin of somebody like Megatron. You know, you, there's so much you could explore, and it was just fertile territory to revisit. Okay, and one thing that always uh, a little bit uh, maybe maybe I'm reading too much into this myself, but it confused me a little bit about Shadowplay and kind of the plot. Where, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Sentinel was conspiring with the Senate to, uh, have a fake matrix that, you know, had a, uh, that had a bomb and everything. I mm-hmm. guess in Megatron Origin, we don't really see Sentinel Prime as a, as someone who's colluding with the Senate as kind of a sinister guy. He seems more like a, uh, a put upon, uh, peacekeeper. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even the Senate gets in his way. He feels like he's at odds with the Senate because they, they tie his hands and they're, they're, um, they yep. tend to not want to take action. Um, yeah, I mean, sorry, go on. Yeah, I just want to. I just wanted to ask: Do you do you plan to delve into Sentinel story at all? And yeah, uh, well, at some point, possibly. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? You know, you ask questions like that, and it just it reminds me of things that that earlier iterations of stories. And um, um, you, you mean, yeah, your observation is sound. And um, for what is, I mean, my my view is that the Senate is intensely. Or certainly became intensely factionalized. I mean, we know through Shadowplay that there was that there's a colonel at one point. Anyway, there's, there's a colonel of, of, of particularly bad senators, uh, and it's growing, you know, and, and they are gravitating towards Sentinel. I mean, you can imagine that it, there's all sorts of power play going on and, mm-hmm. and, and machinations and and shifting allegiances, and and the Senate is a is a a body, um, a political body that's been around for millions of years. So it's going to go through various um, iterations, as I say, but you know, Zeta, Zeta falls into this category too. You know, um, in part one of Elegant Chaos, you know, there, originally there was going to be a scene where, you know, it's, it, there's negotiations taking place between Zeta and Sentinel, and and Zeta is essentially saying, look, you know, I've 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 now built up quite a body of um, you know resistance fighters, for want of a better term, um, you know, uh, you know, and and they are you know they're they're loyal to me. And you know, provide you know, in exchange for you giving me some power for, for letting it, letting us into uh, the the Senate and allowing us to influence uh, the Senate, then I will you know I, I can stand them down essentially. You know, we we can I can work with you, Sentinel, and we can you know we can we can implement reforms. And it was all part of Zeta's plan ultimately to um to gain more power and and, and so on. So yeah, there was no space for that in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even I don't even think that there was originally a reference, even just the reference to um. To what Zeta was doing, I think had to come out because it didn't serve that particular story in the end. But you know that that if you like that's 
that's off stage stuff that's happening. Um, uh, yeah. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I suppose the short answer is there's tons more stories you could yeah. tell around, around that, around that, those, those characters and, and, and that era, you know? Yeah. Um, let me just, uh, I, we're, I think we're, we're going to try to, to move along cause I know it's pretty late for you, but, uh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, one thing, uh, and this might be a question for both you and John Barber, but I noticed that the we had originally with the More Than Meets the Eye annual the the kind of creation myth with the guiding hand and the the five uh, first uh, Transformers coming from Primus, and now mm-hmm. recently in Robots in Disguise the um, the thirteen Primes have in, have been mm-hmm. introduced, and there's a kind of a question as to where the Knights of Cybertron fit in here where the colony worlds like uh, Caminus fit in. And mm-hmm. do you think that, uh, do, do you see that getting addressed in the next year or so, or at, at, like seeing mm. where all those pieces fit together mm. in the next year? I don't know. I mean, the, um, my understanding is that, um, yeah, I mean, the, the very crudely, the chronology is, um, it, it would be Primus guiding hand knights. And then, um, yeah, the, the the thirteen primes and 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 so on. Okay. Um, yeah, very roughly, but um, I mean, it, it'll be. It's John Barber we're talking about here. It's going to line up perfectly, and it's going to be like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, all that you know, that beam of light's going to come down, and it's perfectly aligned, and it's all going to be. Everything will be illuminated. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a lot of uh, the the characters on the Lost Light. Uh, I mean we do see it's kind of a motley crew. They seem to have some significant psychological problems. Uh, yeah. Do, do you think the idea of, uh, and you've touched on this a little bit with the idea of things like information creep, like the idea of a transformer with a really long lifespan, but with mm-hmm. a human like personality just leads to mental instability. <laughs> I think probably the war, the war is more to blame for that than um, the longevity. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, the information creep and stuff was really to address this problem of, look, you know, here we are, we've, we've established that there is ambiguity around things which technically shouldn't be ambiguous. It's like, um, it's like, imagine if, I don't know, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a religious figure that I don't want to offend anybody, but let's imagine if we lived for a long, long period of time and, and, and the sort of Jesus, um, existed, you know, like a month ago equivalently you know and and we 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 were the people there were still people alive today that would have been alive then and could say you know what i know as a matter of fact <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that you know that this happened and that happened and um and that was the, the the problem from my perspective that we had with um with transformers that could that were ostensibly immortal um so the invention of it, the invention of information creep was to account for um a fuzziness around yeah. certain things, you know, and, and, and ambiguity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, of course, I mean, that would, yeah, that, that would contribute to, um, um, potentially to, uh, you know, personality quirks. Should we, should we, <laughs> let's call, call them that, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, one thing, uh, for Transformers comics in general, they seem at least more than, more than other comics to be defined by their writers. I mean, in particular, with the original series, we had, uh, with, with very few except, exceptions, we had Bob Budiansky and Simon Furman kind of covering the mm-hmm. whole run. Uh, now with, with more than meets the eye and robots in disguise, it's John mm-hmm. Barber and James Roberts. 
and it's it's hard to imagine someone else taking over either of either of those series. So I, I wanted to ask you if for some reason you did leave more than meets the eye, but the mm-hmm. series was going to continue on, who you would think mm-hmm. would be a, a good person to replace you on the book? Oh, it would it would be it would be Nick. I think Nick Roach. You know, okay. He, he, yeah, I think. Um, yeah. Um, I whether whether Nick would want to. <laughs> I think Nick would. <laughs> Actually, you know, to be honest, I think what would happen is, um, I, I think more than it's I would stop and there'd be something new. Um, and, you know, and, and if Nick were writing it, then, you know, he'd create something from scratch and it would be amazing. Um, uh, so that, so that, 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 that potentially Nick, uh, Megrade as well, you know, very, you know, doing amazing stuff with Wimblade. Um, and, you know, I could see her taking any of this stuff and just running with it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. You know, and, 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 and it, and it will happen and these things do happen and, and there'll be, you know, um, there'll be, there'll be writers beyond John and I, um, just as, you know, just, but you're, you're right in that there was the Buddy Ansky era and then there was, you know, Furman for a long time, actually, um, yeah. you know, kept, kept, kept the flame burning and, and, you know, I don't want to speak as if, as if, you know, he's, he's retired. I mean, he's still, he still writes, he's still, and, and, um, you know, he's regeneration one is, is still, very recent and i'm sure he'll be doing more stuff but um you know it, it does tend to be um you know one or two people that 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 do the bulk of the writing for for a long time now i i don't know whether that says something about the um uh, almost the specialist nature of the of the uh, of the franchise in a way it's it, it's some for some reason it's proven difficult for people to to just just drop by and you know, do a few issues, and, and then off they go again. You know, it's um, it seems to be something which you really need to roll up your sleeves and and get stuck into, um, and then and then you stick around for a while. So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a general, uh, we talked a little bit about how you like to to make the story pretty dense with with more than meets the eye and provide uh, a lot of. Uh, Easter eggs or, or call outs for, um, for people mm-hmm. to, uh, to pick up on. Uh, yeah. is there any reason why you don't use a lot of the, the kind of callbacks, you know, the explicit callbacks where you put a little asterisk in the, at the bottom of the page and say, see issue, whatever. Um, I, I think I do do quite a lot of that. I mean, if you look at, uh, pick up, pick up nearly any issue of remain in light, you'll probably see a handful of those. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm, it's not. It's not a conscious decision um, to avoid them, except uh, in the instance of the uh, you know, when Cyclonus kicked tailgate, and we talked a bit earlier about yeah, you know, using you. Um, I, I, I would. I went so far as a curved curved corner panel, but to me, putting a, an asterisk in there, um, and actually a, an asterisk. What I don't know. You wouldn't have been asterisking anything really because there was no dialogue, but even a little footnote saying. CSU four, I just would have pulled you out of the moment. I think, mm-hmm. um, even though you do condition yourself to sort of to go with the flow and 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 accept those footnotes, you know, they don't generally interrupt the story. But I think in that instance, it, it would have done so. Um, so there's that. But actually, I take perversely. I thought I quite like the. Uh, uh, I don't know what on earth this says about me in terms of my you know <laughs> my geek stance, you know, credibility or not, but. Um, I'd like, I'd like to see a little asterisk, asterisk that says, you know, CSU three. And, you know, you're reading issue 76 or something you're like, yeah, okay. Just, you know, that, <laughs> yeah, this, this is a, this is long form storytelling. And, uh, and I like, I like the fact that you have, um, you know, for what, you know, have, have relied upon a, an event which took place four or five years ago or something. So, uh, 
I like that. <laughs> <laughs> is there a uh, is there a a character outside or a series or a character outside of Transformers that you would dream of writing that that would be like your holy grail? Um, oh, I'd love to write um, Doctor Who. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. um, X Files as well. Um, okay. Funnily enough, sort of TV franchises, really, aren't they? Um, you know, um, Spider Man as well. Um, but no, and Death Set, of course. But yeah. um, no, I'd like, I'd like a, a good uh, Tenth Doctor or, or indeed any Doctor story would, would be fun. The trouble is that there's about four hundred thousand amazing writers that are sort of queued up to write Doctor Who. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like get get to the back, you know. <laughs> And uh, if you could change anything about the Transformers live action movies, the story in the Transformers live action movies, is, is there something that what you know what you would you would do differently uh, when handling that story? Um, if I can speak in general terms, I would um, I'd, I'd like there to be far more uh, differentiation between the, between the characters, the Transformers characters, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and more more time spent um, bringing those to life. Uh, as personalities, you know, um, yeah. Okay. We we could talk a long time about the movies, but you know that, that's pretty much what it's. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I I gotta ask. This is kind of a a silly question for me, but uh, it's something that I've picked up on in the last few years. That uh, not in and in all the Transformers comics, it seems like in general, when the characters talk about transforming, they avoid mm. using the word transform. Yes. And uh, I wondered if that was if there was some kind of mandate against doing that or if it was just uh you know just kind of a uh, yeah. Cert- yeah. Uh no no there is there is but we we can't we can't use it. Um it's to do with um a at the risk of um of, of render well ultimately it's to, to do with the risk of rendering the transformers word you know the 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 the, the brand itself uh generic. Okay. You know so um so obviously, you know, there's a there's a need to protect, you know, Transformers as a as a description of the the range and of the the uh, the, the characters themselves. Uh, but because Transformers a verb, um, this is this is my reading of it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, that if it if it's um, if we do anything to contribute to the uh, generif- generification of the, of that term, then um, you know, it would be dangerous. So, uh, okay, it, it's it's a relatively hard and fast rule i mean i i, I know I, I sort of made special pleading way back in issue one and got um and, and and you know it's testament to hasbro being cool about this stuff but they they did they did allow that one line about the um the nail transforming himself to death oh, yes. because there because there, there will be times when no other word will do you know <laughs> right <laughs> well yeah and, and also i think recently in uh in robots in disguise i think in issue 28 we have Prime use the classic line "transform and roll out." I mean, that's a that's a classic. Yes, that's so. true. Yes, so it's like um, it's like use sparingly. It's like break glass type thing. You yeah, know? Um, yeah. So uh, otherwise, it's um, change or morph or you know, look get the thesaurus. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have any advice for people trying to break into writing, uh, particularly for comics? Particularly for comics. Um, yeah, I will. It's advice that I may not necessarily have followed myself, but it's just I think it's particularly these days, you know, in the digital age, if you can just get your get your work out there, um, you know, on a, on a digital platform, just yeah, it should be cheaper to produce and distribute. Uh, have something to show people to say, look, this is this is evidence of what I 
what I can do. I think it is harder. Um, it's harder for writers to, 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 to get a break because, you know, with artists, it's, it's easier to, to make uh, for, for, for uh, talent scouts for want of a better word to, to make a, a quick assessment of your skills or potential skills or otherwise. But, you know, it, it, you, you need for someone to sit down and, and read your stuff for, uh, and often to read uh, enough of your stuff to form a, a view. Uh, it's harder for those opportunities, really. So, if you can just, um, if it's comics we're talking about, um, you know, if you if you can write, but you're you're not an artist, then hook up with people that that can draw, um, and then and put something out there, and and um, you know, and, and help it find its way to the right people. It is, it's, it, that sounds rather glib, but that's really is is, is the, mm-hmm. the best I can offer. Yeah, I remember yeah. A, f- a few years ago the mosaic, uh, the Transformers mosaic yeah. was a, was a vehicle for a lot of people to get noticed mm. by idw mm, yeah absolutely yeah um and i, I, I don't know it, it may be if, if you're if you're thinking particularly you know i, I want to write transformers um it may not necessarily be the the best thing to do to you know to, to just do transformers stuff you know if really uh, i imagine that the the people that make these decisions to hire uh, are looking uh, for evidence that you can you know that you 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 work you work well uh, in the medium generally, you know, and you're, you're comfortable telling comic story, yeah, comics, comic book stories. And mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be about, and certainly here's a, here's a rule of thumb. Certainly do not attempt to fix any, any actual or perceived continuity problems either. You know, <laughs> um, that, that's, that's not, that's not the best way to, um, to, 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 to get in there. You know, I hear mm-hmm. I've, I've done, I've done a transformer story. Um, it, it fixes, so it may fix things amazingly well, but um, but the <laughs> the uh, the idea should be really to to demonstrate that you can that you can tell a story, right. um, that you can structure it properly, that you can you know you've you've got you've got the dialogue nailed down, uh, and you don't you can do that without um, resorting to continuity heavy stuff, uh, and you can do that without actually making it about transformers, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you so much yeah. for uh, for sitting down with us and staying up late with us to, to talk that's okay. transformers I, that's all right I've, I've had i've had bbc news 24 on on loop uh in the background <laughs> um so i've sort of uh, i'll have dreams about planes skidding on on ice and harrison ford crashing and stuff and uh god i hope he's all right now i've said that when by the time this goes out um yeah take that bit out okay if anything bad happens to harrison ford <laughs> <laughs> He's okay as we speak, right? Yes. He's hospitalized, but he's, it looks okay. So, um, yeah. No, no, thank you. It's good to um, thanks for letting me uh, take one of your questions and, and spend an average of nine or ten minutes answering each one. So, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm sure our listeners will will enjoy every minute. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, guys, those of you that have stayed awake for the duration, thank you for uh, you know for holding out. <laughs> All right, so we're going to finish up the interview with our rapid fire questions. So. This is going to help us uh, get a little bit of insight uh, into who you are, James. Uh, okay. So that the fans be can... careful. Be careful. What you, uh, <laughs> yeah. There's n- once we go down this rabbit hole, then there's no going back. So um, <laughs> you know, switch off now. Okay. No, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. All right. Okay. Autobot or Decepticon? Autobot. And who is your favorite Autobot? Oh, um, um, right now. I, uh, Nautica. No. Well, yeah, no. She's not an Autobot, technically. Oh, see, I'm already getting confused. Um, no, well, she has, has she, she has a, a symbol. Badge? She has she's a got symbol. A badge, hasn't yeah. she? I'm thinking, when she turned up in Dark Cybertron, she's got, she's got a badge, hasn't she? Yeah. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with that. Okay. Ask All me right. again. Same question. Ask me again. <laughs> All right. Who's your favorite Autobot? Oh, or Nautica, obviously. Okay. Yeah. 
We might edit that part out. Hey, don't spare my blushes. You know, it's, you know, you can, I'm sure there's far worse to, you know, there's far worse we can find to edit out. So anyway, right. Okay. Not very quick fire, are they? <laughs> All right. Transformers live action movie. One, two, three, or four. Uh, one. All right. Megan Fox, Rosie Huntington Wheatley, Nicola Peltz, Shia LaBeouf, or Mark Wahlberg. Um, I don't know what criteria we're judging them by, but I'll say Charles LaBeouf, okay? Okay. <laughs> uh, more than meets the eye or robots in disguise? That's a... <laughs> oh, ro- well, robots in disguise. Oh, and okay. and John, John, John better have said more than meets the eye at this point. <laughs> we'll, we'll go back and check the tape. I don't remember what he yeah, said. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I'll, okay, I'm, I'm going to answer both ways and you can edit it accordingly. <laughs> uh, third party toys, yes or no? No. Cats, but, you know that's that that's the you know no hi mm. okay all right <laughs> that's a that's a that's a difficult question to ask me because I can't you know I, it's difficult for me to endorse unofficial stuff yeah yeah um you know uh, cats or dogs cats I've got one here actually oh yeah uh, coffee or yeah. tea coffee no, this is this is more like it I'm in my comfort zone now yes <laughs> uh, chicken or steak. Uh, steak. Pepsi or Coke? Pepsi. Burger King or McDonald's? Ooh. Burger King. <laughs> we don't have either over here, you know. You can say you can say something else or neither too. Oh, oh really? Oh now we get the we get we get the more nuanced <laughs> thing, is it? Oh okay. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my Burger King. Okay. Uh history or science? History. Xbox or PlayStation? Oh, I've never either, you know. I've never had a single console, if they're even still called that, you know. Um, 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 Xbox. Okay. <laughs> the silence. <laughs> okay, yeah. Oh, dear, I've, 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 made, I've committed a faux pas. Okay, yeah, go on, right. <laughs> Call of Duty or Battlefield? <laughs> oh, okay, these are both games, yeah? Yes. Um, okay, um, I haven't played either of them. I'll go for Battlefield. Okay. <laughs> Because the Call of Duty is violent, eh? It's violent. I think they're both pretty violent. <laughs> I both, well, I suppose Battlefield. I thought maybe Battlefield could be some sort of strategic daisy planting game or something. I don't know. <laughs> you can go with Plants vs. Zombies. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> or maybe and, some golf simulation game. I don't know. That's the last time I played a computer. It was, um, you know. It was trying to land a plane or something, and, and it took about four weeks to load. That's how long it's been. <laughs> well, you know, reading your comics, we wouldn't think you'd you'd be one to shy away from violence. Well, I knew you'd think that, but um, <laughs> it's complicated. Okay. You know, um, <laughs> uh, PC or Mac? Um, um, Mac. iPhone yeah. or Android? iPhone. Which is what we do. We're having this conversation on one now. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So, what is the phone app that you cannot live without? Um. Oh God. Um. There's a there's a good hype machine, which is um. It's like an aggregator. It's it it, it lines up all the music blogs, so you can you know, find out new music, and you can or if there's a new song out, you can type it in, and, and if someone's put it on a blog somewhere, then you can you can listen to it. Oh, so, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Marvel or DC? Marvel. And who is your favorite Marvel character? Uh, oh, Death's Head. Oh, nice. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. It, that, that, he and I go way back. So yes. otherwise, 
otherwise um, Spidey. Okay. Uh, Stallone or Schwarzenegger? Um, oh, uh, that that should be easy, you know, because I've got posters of the guy all around here. So um, um, Stallone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, Angelina Jolie. <laughs> um, Johansson. Okay. Uh, Twilight or Hunger Games? <laughs> but can I just say for the people listening, I, I sense that I'm being marked. There's like a slight pause. It's like it's always like a polygraph test. It's like yeah, you're gonna you're gonna gonna get to the end of this or something, and you're gonna you know certificate me or something. Oh, I'm sorry, you failed. You know, there were the wrong answers. You know, those opinions you gave. Um, anyway, yes, okay. We we've got the we've got the tactical team outside your house ready to pick you up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a strange red dot actually. It's just sort of moving around my chest at this point. Um, ever since I answered that, you know, Battlefield, uh, get Call of Duty thing. Anyway, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, Twilight or Hunger Games? Um, Hunger Games. Pixar or DreamWorks? Pixar, that's easy. I mean, cheap. <laughs> yeah, okay. Star Wars yeah. or Star Trek? Oh, that's not easy. Uh, Star Wars. Okay. Simpsons or Family Guy? Simpsons, that's easy. All right, Walking Dead or Game of Thrones? Oh, you know, I haven't seen either. Um, but I'm going to go for Walking Dead because, you know, um, comics. Okay. Uh, sports team. So the, this is U.S. sports, but we'll, we'll add in uh, uh, some uh, European football as well. But NFL, oh. okay. uh, Major League Baseball, National Hockey League, uh, NBA, or uh, European soccer. Or I should say football. Um, baseball, actually. Baseball. Baseball. But don't, presu- okay. but don't presume any knowledge beyond that answer, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, can, I can picture baseball. It involves a ball um, and, and a bat. And so, yeah. No, I, actually, yeah. I can. Yeah. That that would be. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Porsche, Ferrari, or Lamborghini? Um, they're all cars. Is that the right answer? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I, I feel what we're doing really is creating an edifice of my lack of knowledge in huge areas of, of, of life, really. Um, uh, Porsche. All right. And the last question, blonde brunette or redhead? <laughs> um, <laughs> redhead. That's my, that's my, um, that's my X-Files. Uh, you know, ah. The X-Files fan in me coming back to the surface. All right, that's it. Thank you. Thank you for uh, going through the it's gauntlet. Okay. <laughs> wow, wow. No, okay. Do I, do I, did I win the prize? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you won a lifetime of writing Transformers comics. <laughs> <laughs> Your sort of answers already. are being filed away. <laughs> yeah, 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 thanks. And yeah, exactly. Being fed into the surveillance machine. Yes. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah. Wow, okay. Well, thank you. All right. Thank you yeah. for making me question myself. You know, <laughs> they were pretty. There were some searching, searching questions there. Um, you know, there's a there's, there's a there's a radio um, <clears throat> show over here called um, I've never watched Star Wars, and it's each episode the uh, there's a the guest um, has well has had to have tried three things that you know that they've never done before. Usually quite obvious things, and they talk about the experience. So you know. Were this like that, I would have to now go and play Battlefield um, and get a console um, and, you know, um, watch Game of Thrones and stuff like that. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, we're not going to hold you to that. Good. <laughs> uh, th- we want to thank uh, James Roberts again for joining us uh, on this episode of Transmissions. And uh, oh, well, no, thanks. Uh, it's it's always it's always fun, and keep you keep me on my toes. So you know, thanks. For <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and anytime you want to come back, we're we're happy to to have another chat. I'm sure. There'll be lots more revelations yeah. uh, uh, with more than meets the eye this year, so we'll we'll definitely want to come back to you and, and get, absolutely. Uh, yeah, get you know, well, we're it. halfway. We're I think we're pretty much halfway through season two now. Um, okay, and uh, Elegant Chaos was um, in it, sort of in my mind. It was like the old school, um, the, the sweeps episodes, you know, where you'd you know like the uh, you know like a mid season finale type thing. So this was a a little tent pole in the in the season, but now we're heading towards. Uh, well, I, the, a title exists for the season finale, but we won't go there yet. But we're we're, we're now on the path to that. <laughs> and is I, I guess we've seen on Twitter is is issue fifty the the big plan for the season finale? Is that is that the the big one? It's, issue fifty kicks off the season finale. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, it's uh, it's gonna, it's going to be huge. So um, <laughs> yeah, stick around. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's been, actually it's been it would have been uh, you know let's not let's not tempt fate here but that's um and for 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 John, for John's title as well um that's going to be only the the second time in uh, in 30 years that uh, you know a, a Transformers an American American Transformers titles reached reached issue 50 so uh, oh wow that's true so so you can expect some um There'll be some some fun and games and fanfare and celebrations around that. Uh, we'll, Should we get to that? You know, unless there's a massive nosedive between the next <laughs> nine months or whatever it is, uh, ten months. So God, no, it's a year away, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it well, feels closer. Can can we expect uh, some uh, like uh, a la the nineties? Can we get expect like a double sized issue with a hollow foil cover and? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're gonna pretty much gonna load every possible uh, cover gimmick. It's gonna have a trading card bagged with it. That's how nineties it's gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> yep so uh yeah no it's gonna have a was it a lenticular thing i don't even know what it is <laughs> yeah. is that like a, yeah do they still do they still do those i i hope um, not <laughs> yeah um yeah it's gonna be full embossed and um yeah all all that stuff because that's what that's what people want you know they want you know they want shiny <laughs> stuff on the front it needs to fold open like the g2 number one <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's, yep, it's gonna and it's gonna be die. Is it die cut or something? I don't know. But oh, yeah, we're gonna invent something. It's gonna have like um, it's gonna have lasers that, that shoot about forty feet into the into the sky. Um, it's gonna have a, a degree of artificial intelligence as well, so you'll be able to have a, a moderately interesting conversation with it. Um, yeah, no, we're, we're, I mean, right now, actually, mo- mo- most of IDW's attention is focused on creating new technology around um these two su 50s so yeah yeah um i think i think we're going to do live action versions of them as well <laughs> <laughs> so uh before we go uh can, how do, can people uh, reach you online so uh, i know you're you're big on twitter right yeah, I mean, if I, I can give my phone number out now, if it's if it's easier. <laughs> and um, no, I yeah, no, tw- Twitter Twitter is my preferred um, means of communication these days. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's God, correct me if I'm wrong. It's, was it J? I think it's J Roberts three three two on uh, on Twitter. Yes. Um, yeah. So um, we'll link in the show notes so people. Will you? Uh, will you? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I do try to um, 
I try to answer questions, and uh, the only time I really don't is when we're slap bang in the middle of a story, and um, and to answer would be madness. Right. So uh, yeah, yeah. There we go. I'm gonna. It's, it's two o'clock here now, so I'm probably gonna. I'm just gonna collapse yeah. or something mid- midway through this this <laughs> sentence. Um, and they'll just be sort of just dead air for an hour <laughs> till the battery on my phone runs out. So uh, yeah, thank you for um, thank you for the chat. All right, th- thank you, and thank you for staying up. And hopefully, <laughs> no hopefully you'll get to sleep in uh, tomorrow morning a little bit. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see if we'll see if my children agree with that. Uh, cool. Okay, thanks, guys. I'll see you. See you next time. All right. Bye bye. Okay, thanks for listening, and uh, as always, want to remind you to give us feedback. You can go to our website, leave comments there. You can also contact us on all our social media, Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> babies. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, you can uh, check us out there. Uh, we always appreciate listening to the feedback. And you can also give us ratings on iTunes and Stitcher. Stitcher, We really appreciate that. Giving us ratings helps us raise our visibility, let people know what we're doing, and uh, get more people listening, which is always a good thing. Uh, Also, if you are interested in making the podcast even better, you can support us on Patreon or uh, through PayPal donations. We appreciate that. Uh, We have some perks for Patreon subscribers, and you do go to the very top of of Yoshi's list whenever you uh, support the podcast. So if you're interested in doing that, you can check all the links on our website. And uh, don't forget to continue to sign the petition for bringing about the G1 cartoon as a comic and uh, tell all your friends and neighbors about that and get them to sign it. So hopefully we can uh, get IDW to make that a reality and, and get us some more G1 goodness in addition to all the excellent uh, comics they put out already. So I think that'll do it for this episode of transmissions. Thanks for listening and we will see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye everybody. Thanks for picking up our transmissions. Give us feedback on our website at www.transmissionspodcast.com. There you can find all of our contact information on social media, as well as all of the links to our show notes discussed on each episode. You can also email us directly at feedback at transmissionspodcast.com.